0: Welcome to episode four now of One Book, One Film, One Song, the podcast where we talk to people just doing really cool stuff. Who who we spoke to this week, Charlie?
1: So this week we spoke to Lanx, who is one of my very good friends, Laura. She is, oh, she, she's high up in manchester cares which is a manchester charity um working with our older neighbors that you'll hear a lot about and she's just an all-round treat isn't she really
0: service coordinator
1: service coordinator Um, but also we talk a lot about well lots about community and blanks tells us lots of stories from all her travels
0: and the choices are really the choices are really really good this week yeah i I really enjoyed the choices. so,
1: banger of a song
0: yeah the song's great um so enjoy the conversation guys it, like, we'll just fade into the conversation now um okay yeah have fun I'm my hey, hey
2: everyone hey Hi. hello um
1: so this week we've got lanks on who is in general an interesting human being but is going to be specifically talking about manchester cares so do you want to tell us a little bit like that, about that to begin like
2: yeah, hey, I'm Lance. Um, Yes, yeah, so Manchester Care is an uh, amazing little charity. I started volunteering with them just over a year ago and then started working with them two and a half months ago. So I haven't met some of the people that I work with, but I've only met them on camera, which is interesting. Sign of in the times. Um, but Manchester Care is a, a community network that aims to bring older people and younger people together and reduce isolation and loneliness and improve connection confidence skills and to like empower people to feel part of like an ever-changing city um so it's kind of like the idea of how older people might have lived in a community for many years but not have many connections nowadays and young professionals might have loads of connections but not the deep roots so if you bring these together you can create friendships and strengthen the community
0: lovely. Oh, that was very professional. I feel like this might be the most professional um, <laughs> podcast yet. the wine? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll, I mean we could we could move on to it's it's not um, it's not an official start of the pod but it seems to be what what is everyone drinking? What what's your tipple? Um I've
1: actually got two drinks today, Sam um i've got got, um (laughs) legend (laughs) so i've got a delicious strong bow and i've also got um a cup of wine so it's a lot going on over here side of them
2: wine makes you feel fine yeah (laughs) (laughs) what have you got langs so i've got a tipple of red wine today from um, Cost Cutters just down the road. I like to support local businesses. Yeah, lovely. During this time. Yeah. Um, so I've gone for this uh, connoisseur Bicycletta. It's a Pinot Noir wine of chilli. Uh, normally I'm a Cabernet Sav kind of gal, so yes, it's sir. a little bit bitter for me. But if I send in the label, apparently I can win £10,000. Worth it. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> what have you got, Sam?
0: Um, I'm, just, I'm just drinking... At the minute I'm drinking punk IPA, but I've got some more exciting ones in the fridge that are just chilling. All right. Um, so I'll let you know as we go along. I might have a I might have a couple. Um, yeah, as, as we speak.
1: All right.
0: Um, so Lanx, I obviously I imagine we we've met briefly before. Neither of us could really remember, but as soon as we saw our faces, we were like, ah, yeah, I, I've we definitely, i've been to parties <laughs> yeah we've partied we've partied um lanx is what you prefer to be known as um
2: it's kind of difficult to say at the moment because i was just talking about working at work on laura and then when 5 30 strikes i turn into lanx so, so
0: laura wilkinson be you at work want me to be. lanx uh, yeah. um we'll call you lanx if because it's past 5 30 so it would only be um, is, yeah only be polite So you said, Lanks, that you started volunteering with Manchester Cares. So how long ago ago was that? And why did you originally kind of want to start volunteering?
2: So I've done like volunteering on and off in the past anyway. I just think it's a really great thing to do. And um, one of my kind of missions that I set myself when um, I moved back to Manchester in 2017 after travelling was to really become ingrained in more of the community. In Manchester... And this little charity had just begun really in Manchester. It had already been running in London um, and then it branched out. So I saw it kind of like, you know, on posters and leaflets and stuff like that. And then I was working uh, for a youth charity and went to a community explorer meeting. And there was a woman there representing Manchester Cares and told me about this great scheme that you can do called Love Your Neighbour, where you get partnered up with an older neighbour in your community and you go and visit them once a week. So I signed up to do that. And a few months later, it, I got introduced to Prudence, who's now <laughs> one of my really good pals. Charlie knows all about her. I talk about her all the time.
1: It's a really amazing friendship. I think the thing that surprised me about it was it's not does it's not like a duty or something that you like feel like you is a chore is it like you love going to see prudence and she loves you coming around doesn't she?
2: Yeah well that's what the the charity tries to create like real friendships and the staff are all amazing at supporting them so if a neighbor or a young person needs support they'll help with signposting referrals and often advocate on behalf of older neighbours. So um yeah I went around and Vicky was there from the charity yeah really great from the beginning really we got on straight away and from then on I guess what I didn't realize is that she'd become like such a big part of my life and I like really miss her at the minute because I can only speak to her on the phone obviously because of lockdown but I've gone and waved a couple of times through the window and stuff and she's got a plant that I gave her which is a spider plant called Laura and she says (laughs) oh she's named it (laughs) after you yeah when she's been missing me during lockdown she talks to the plant. And she feels like she's with me which is really cute <laughs> um yeah so that's how i started out volunteering with them and then i went to a couple of social clubs with prudence so we went to this like picnic and games in the park um and yeah just like loads of fun do
0: you reckon prudence will, will be listening to the podcast
2: um i reckon <gasps> so she loves listening to like music and radios and should also love a shout out as well. So shout out to Prudence.
0: Shout out to Prudence.
2: Prudence. Hi. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We can send her a link. She'll feel she'll feel like a celebrity. She is a
2: celebrity to be. Yeah, we'll put it on a CD for her. Hmm.
0: Um, (laughs) so how so how did because that kind of you have you always worked in charity work and kind of also that kind of seems to happen, you know, when people work in a charity they started out volunteering. So how did the transition from volunteering to working, how did that come about?
2: Um well I just used to get the bulletins and saw it advertised. And actually I applied for the job and um I was unsuccessful for the first time. So I went in the second time when it came up a year later and got there. I was just so yeah keen to work for them. Um, But yeah to answer your former question I haven't always worked in charities but I have always been interested in getting into the charity sector. So I started off kind of like running language schools in my summers in between university. So I spent a lot of time in Brighton where you'd get students Shut from all Brighton. around the world to come. You're from Brighton? There he is uh, now.
0: <laughs> no, I live in Brighton. Do I sound like I'm from Brighton? No. I'm from, Brad- I'm I'm from Bradford originally. Nice. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, yeah, so Brighton's mint. I spent many a summer there. You probably know the kids that I'm on about. EF it was EF. called. Yeah, they
0: yeah. go around with the they go around with the backpacks and, and it gets very busy. You don't want to get caught behind a, a big troop of EF kids if you're trying to get anywhere in a rush.
2: And that'd be me at the front leading them with a the pink lollipop.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, you <laughs> can really life.
2: visualize where I started out. So yeah, quite a big worldwide corporate company. But I did like the idea of uh, integrating communities. So that used to really interest me. Um, which is what they set out to do but it costs a lot of money.
1: <laughs> but I think you do that in your uh, like personal life as well. I think like you do it for a job now. But I definitely think from being friends with you and knowing you, you always enjoy like bringing people together don't you? Or being like you're really like this person or like doing something that's going to like bring people together as well. So I think even though you've said you've kind of it's something that you have interested in I think it's like that nature nurture argument isn't it I think by your very nature you'd be perfect at that as well
2: yeah I always enjoy the idea that you know I believe like you can always learn something and gain something from meeting someone new mm-hmm. I love like languages and how you know you can communicate with people from around the world without necessarily knowing that language and I'm just, I'm just fascinated by people really mm-hmm. um yeah I guess that's what I've always been interested in and it's great that I've found a really nice, cute charity to work for. And they
1: want people, don't they, always like? So if people are listening and they think that sounds like a bit of them, they always need volunteers, don't you?
2: Yeah, so we're always taking older neighbour referrals as well. But, yeah, there's different ways young people can get involved. Um, you can do the Love Your Neighbour programme and meet someone as great as Prudence. Or you can go to, like, ad hoc social clubs. They do, like, you know choirs, discos, cooking classes, yoga, theatre trips, all sorts of stuff. Uh, that was kind of before lockdown so now we're trying to mimic those programmes on Zoom. So on Tuesday we had a Glastonbury disco um, and we did it with the other branches around the country and everyone was in festival gear and I think we had like 65-70 people on it. That's um, it. Yeah and one of my <laughs> colleagues was DJing and then you can just see these tiny little thumbnails of people absolutely going for it and raving in the living rooms so yeah we're trying to like trying our hardest like yeah stay connected even though we're
0: apart and some people are isolated yeah Uh, i'd like to chat a bit more about um how you've kind of made the transition to covid times and how that's kind of affecting everyone but should we should we kick off with the format should we should we go for the first choice
1: let's get back into the format yeah
0: so what what's your what's your book choice what's the one book that's inspired you in some way
2: Um so the book that I've picked is Shantaram by Gregory David Roberts and it was a book that I got given when I was in Southeast Asia travelling and one of my friends passed it on to me and it's about this guy who was a bit of a naughty character it's like semi-autobiographical and he was in prison in Australia and he ended up escaping and he basically finds a new home in Dharavi, which is one of the, I think it might be the biggest slum, even though I don't like the word, um, in Mumbai, in India. Um, it's quite interesting when he's there because it describes this like poverty and, you know, it's really poverty stricken and there's still this amazing sense of community. And it was in the 90s when they had the riots and the fires there. Mm -hmm. And it was not as kind of secular as it is now. It was over kind of religion and people trying to be segregated in this really close-knit community. And, you know, he was in the middle of those in the book and he then ends up becoming like the doctor of this area, even though he just knows basic first aid and stuff like that. But it's got everything. It's got, you know, gangs, love, like death. Um, I think it's really beautifully written as well. Um, and then I was reading it and felt I, I'd always wanted to go to India anyway, so I took the book with me and I went to the guest house where he stayed in Mumbai and oh, it wow. closed. So I stayed in the yeah, I stayed in the guest house above it. And there's this passage in it where he describes looking at you can see the sort of gateway to India. They call it it's this kind of gateway in the sea. Into the city of Bombay and describes looking out at this kind of pink and blue sky with these boats. And I pretty much had like the same view as it was in the book, which was pretty special.
1: That's amazing. Mm. So you went there because of the book. You were like, I've read this, it's a bit of, it's like a part of me and I want to go and kind of physically experience it as well.
2: I wouldn't say that I went there because of it, because I always wanted to go to India anyway. But when I was there, um, I, like, went, I went to uh, see Dharavi which I was really conflicted about because I think going to visit such like an impoverished area can seem like quite a post-colonial image mm-hmm. however I like found this uh, charity where the people that were living there and from there um, used to kind of give you like a tour I guess and you could like go and have lunch and it was basically 80% of the profits went to like socioeconomic projects in the in the area mm-hmm. so that was kind of the best way to do it and I think I'm really glad that I did because it wasn't this sad place. It was a really happy place. And even though there's only one toilet to 1,400 people, like, you know, the people that I met and spoke to seemed like happy. And there was a massive sense of community, you know, kids running down the street with a snotty nose and someone just grabs the kid and wipes the nose. And it's like this family feel, I guess. Yeah. Which challenges, like, I guess the stereotypes of a community as we know it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have to look a certain way. I really like that. That the, the people it's well, community's people, isn't it? And so it makes sense that they would make what they wanted, what they felt community was. Yeah. Amazing. So I guess kind of how it's the influence it's had, then I guess is kind of twofold, is it? Because you've obviously it's had like an influence in terms of you kind of going there and kind of uh wanting to kind of experience what you've read but also I really like that the take on community because I think you can especially I've been thinking recently your like understanding of what community needs can be very like white centric can't it so really like that as kind of a second influence as well of like being more critical of ourselves of saying like well what like we don't just get to top down dictate what a community is.
2: 100% it needs to be bottom up and you know I think an example that I'll, I'll tell you about that I got told when I was over there. And I just want to say this area is, you know, where doctors, vets, teachers live, you know, and people pay to live there. And and they call it the the heart of Mumbai because the train tracks from Victoria Terminus, if you look at it from above, it's shaped like a love heart, this area. And it's actually really sought after land because it's dead in the centre of Mumbai. And apparently every chapati that you eat in Mumbai is made there. And um, so... We were kind of talking about, you know, how people kind of end up there and move there. And again, like it being a really like looked out for a place to live. And this um, agency, I guess, kind of a construction agency went in and started bot- like top down speaking to people, assuming their needs and what they wanted, saying, OK, we've got this. Um, we've got this offer that you can't refuse. What we're going to do. Is we're gonna put all of you in this area in temporary accommodation while we erect two skyscrapers. One of them is gonna be used for business or like a hotel or office space, or whatever. So we'll generate money from that. The other skyscraper, we're gonna give you free accommodation. And this business thought, well, obviously they're gonna to wanna to live in these skyscrapers in these apartments and and stuff. They were like, you know, they'll have running water clean and blah, blah, blah. And they were I guess, really shocked when the mass of this population turned around and said, hang on a minute, why would I want to live up there by myself when I'm down here in this community? Mm-hmm. And the, basically the critical mass just rejected it and it was like power of the people and they wanted to continue living the lives how they were already living them. Which Yeah, yeah is exactly what you were just saying about how you need to listen to the community and you can't assume.
1: You can't assume that someone would be unhappy just because you might feel like you would be unhappy, happy yeah
2: exactly
0: yeah and i feel like um cause i'm like studying um counseling now there was a, a thing that we were talking about for a few weeks of like a community bringing up a child and how a, that has even you know in these kind of some might say like, deprived areas but deprivation is maybe financial rather than emotional because mm-hmm. those those areas like have we were studying basically that if someone gets brought up in like a community and a, and specifically, we were looking at kind of like tribes as well, and that everyone in that community or tribe has responsibility for everyone. So it's not just like we live in such a fractured kind of society now where it's just yeah. like, you know, families are miles apart from each other. Uh, e- even like I live like. 400 miles away from the rest of my family and it's it's common now for like you know brothers and sisters of like like maybe our parents age or whatever to just live in completely different cities and completely fractured and that wasn't Mm -hmm. that's not kind of it's not how humans are kind of really meant to have evolved and kind of emotionally connect to people you Mm -hmm. having and that's kind of fractured society has made kind of a lot more kind of Common mental health problems a lot more prevalent because Mm -hmm. um, no one's taking responsibility for people who are suffering in kind of in communities. Did that make Mm -hmm. sense, or was that just a bit of a ramble? Um,
1: That was perfect sense. No, that was brilliant. I completely get it because I think what we've done is we've gone from having communities who look who all look after each other, and then who said was it Thatcher said something like community is dead or something? What did she say? Um, And she was, and it was all that individualism, and it was like you work hard, you look after yourself, yeah. You build a business, you do this, you do this, you own, you own your council house. You, do you know what I mean, you have this property, and I think where we're at now is, and I think Lanc- Manchester cares is trying to do this, and I think we, I, we spend a lot of time kind of trying to do it in the communities that we work in. We're trying to recreate that sense of belonging and that sense of community care. But in a different way, from a community that isn't necessarily related to one another, but trying to like kind of find strengths and find how we can link people in. Because you're absolutely right; it's people's well being suffers, doesn't it, if they don't feel like they belong or like they're if being you're not connected after. to absolutely. the community. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Exactly. I um I just thought of a little anecdote, which you again just to echo what Charlie said. You said that really well, Sam. Um, And it was talking about living far away from your family. And it reminds me, there's actually a quote in Shantaram where he says, uh, a man's happiness is invertly proportionate to the size of his house. And I'm not saying that that's black and white, but you can imagine, you know, these tight-knit communities, like you just said, co-rearing children compared to these houses with massive gates and CCTV Mm -hmm. around where you don't know the names of your neighbours. And I remember... The first night I arrived in India, I was in Mumbai and I went with a lot of, I guess, like prejudice, actually. You know, you read even in The Lonely Planet book, um, you know, this the first page is all these scams that you need to look out for when you arrive at the airport. So you go in expecting yeah. people to scam you, you know, at the airport, there'll be people saying and even on the plane, I'll oh, watch out for this. When you go to a taxi, they'll tell you whatever name hotel you'll tell, they'll tell you that it's burnt down and they'll take you to a little shop and buy you, you know, a ticket out of there for five times the price. So you assume like, and I did, and I'm like ashamed to say it, but I assumed that everyone was going to try and scam me. So on the first night when I was there, I went to this like place to eat some food and I met this um, amazing like local woman called Farah with her friend Naval, And we just ended up chat, chat, chatting all night. It was really dark, so I was going to walk back back to the guest house that I told you about, and um, Naval was like, oh, let me give you a lift back, and I was like, oh, brilliant. So I got in his Merc and then got a lift back, and um, <laughs> it was just, like, super nice, and then Farrah was like, oh, you should um, come round to my family home tomorrow. So we went round, and it was this tiny apartment. There was, like, six people living in it, and we all ate food together, and they, the hosp- hospitality was just, like, incredible. And during the conversation, they said this phrase, like, old is gold, and I kind of said, oh, you know, my great-uncle at the moment is in a care home. And they said, what's a care home? And I sat explaining the concept of a care home, and I was just hit with walls of laughter. Yeah. Like, they just couldn't yeah. comprehend why you would take this – old person that has cared for your family and looked after all these people and they get to a vulnerable place in their life and that you don't want to care for them like they have for you and it was just so interesting yeah the
1: difference
0: yeah and I I know we're also we're we're all under no illusions that economic deprivation or whatever doesn't also come with you know breed mental health problems as well that's not what we're saying Mm -hmm. we're not saying that those people are the happiest people in the world but that the the sense of community that they have helps them despite the um Mm -hmm. situation it's arrogant
1: to assume that we've got a better system just because or a better way of being with one another uh, just because maybe we're as a society more well off agree with that I think there's everyone needs to learn from everyone else that's what um that's what well we've been learning that as well haven't we over the past few weeks we spoke about Black Lives Matter didn't we on our first one podcast Sam and I think there's a humility humility and that's what you're saying isn't it like that you got there and actually you had these lonely planet or had given you like these kind of suspicions and actually with that humility and with that acceptance you learn everyone can learn little bits can't they and because we're essentially just trying to become better, better people within a better society. And I think if you go in too arrogant and you assume that you know the best, then, and like even when, with Prudence, like, you always say to me, you learn as much from her and you get as much from her as you give, don't you?
2: Yeah, she reminds me of uh, um, this book called Tuesdays with Morrie. I don't know if you've, either of you have read that. No.
0: Is that your honourable mention? And
2: um, Yeah, that,
1: you can have an honourable
2: mention. Okay. Can I? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. So my honor- honorable mention is Tuesdays with Murray.
0: It doesn't have to be. Don't don't let don't let me pressure you.
2: I don't know what an honor- honorable mention is. It's
0: just like it's not one of it's not one of your choices, but you just wanted to yeah. mention it anyway.
2: Am I allowed to mention this and bank my honorable mention because I didn't know what it was? No, that's fine. I'm- if you want to bank it, you can. But can bank I still it. tell you about it? Yes, please. Yes, please.
0: please.
2: <laughs> I'm really pushing the boundaries. Um, <laughs> Tuesdays with Murray is just a dead nice um, simple book and it's about this guy who has a lecturer who really influences him and he bumps into him I think maybe in like the supermarket and he finds out that his lecturer is like quite sick so the lecturer is called Murray so this guy goes to visit him every Tuesday and they just record their chats I guess and it's kind of like there's a tiny little life lesson to be learned in every conversation. I love that. And my time like that is with prudence. I mean, sometimes we'll just go around and we're absolute silly sausages and we're just howling and eating pizza and drinking wine. Um, but other times I'll go around and, you know, maybe feel kind of stressed or aggravated from work. And then I'll say all these like, blah, 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 just blurt everything out at her. And then she'll say, oh yeah you know it's just like when my husband used to go to the market and buy me an avocado because he knew they're my favorites and then he'd always give me the biggest bit and like she just has this way of listening to everything and summarizing it in this really nice meaningful way and then I leave feeling like
1: (sighs) yeah relaxed.
2: and then normally I go and see Charlie and tell her what i've learned
0: <laughs> sounds like then she's I a natural benefit. counselor you can pay thousands of <laughs> yeah. thousands of pounds to learn what prudence already knows
2: yeah she's got away with words she's always like worked with the kids and stuff she she was, yeah she was a nursery nurse so yeah she's very nurturing and very lovely and i think that sometimes with volunteering you can start out to I mean it seems strange even calling it volunteering now it's not she's just my friend and Mm. I love seeing her but I think sometimes you if you really look inwards with volunteering you can find that everyone has a bit of a savior complex Mm. even that you might not want to admit it and that you volunteer because it makes you feel good yeah yeah know that you're giving something back and I know that I definitely felt that a little bit with prudence but what Managed cares are really good at, and what I've found with Prudence and I, I remember saying to you after a couple of months of meeting Prudence, Charlie, is that I just like she's my mate now. Yeah. This is it, like you know. And I just didn't realize how much she benefit me, yeah, as much as I benefit her. So now it's just symbiotic and gorgeous.
0: I think that comes with um time as well, and maybe maybe maturity, but. I see it a lot and and so, so, I, so I work in like um, SEN and work at an SEN college and i when I first started I hadn't had any experience and kind of you do you kind of go in with this oh I'm doing this great thing and I know best and you're trying to do all these things for this for this person because you're just like I'm I'm here I'm caring for you I'm supporting you I'm going to do all this for you and like now like I like train other LSWs and how to do stuff and like the thing that I'm like telling them to do now is like do like do nothing. Like they have all the answers. It's your job to like draw it out of them. And actually, if you can learn from them and just like get stuff from them, then that's going to enrich you and that's going to make you a way better support mm-hmm. worker. Because that is they've got all the answers. They know everything they just maybe don't know. And you've got to sit back and let them you allow them that time. And like you need to. We need to learn from like marginalized people in our society because they're the ones that are kind of, you know, getting on with doing stuff without, without having anything handed to them. And that, you know, if mm-hmm. people can get on and live life on their terms as well, like, I just like, I just feel so privileged to like be able to spend my time around people that are just doing life exactly how they want to do it, whether it's their condition that mm-hmm. allows that or not that's great and that's something to be learned from and I imagine it's a the same kind of thing with with what you're doing it's just like well these are people who have all the experience of life so actually I'm just going to sit back and take it in a little bit because who am I to think I know yeah best.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's about like exactly you just hit the nail on the head it's about having a person-centered approach it's about yeah. listening to that person like active. Listening, you know, Mm. like when you listen without thinking what you're going to say next or without having a question in your head, and you just listen to them. And that's why you can't do this type of work with a script. You can't, you know, at the minute, like my team are, you know, doing about 70 calls a week to some older neighbors who are like, you know, we have neighbors that used to come to social clubs every week and be the life and soul of a party. And now actually they're like struggling quite a bit because they feel really anxious or they're getting letters off the NHS saying you are clinically extremely vulnerable and ringing us and saying, well, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. Like Bojo, bloody clown, is on telly being like oh leave your house no don't leave your house wear a mask don't wear a mask and we have older neighbors ringing us up yeah. so confused and saying you know what can we do and it's a privilege to be able to explain to that person mm-hmm. you know this yeah. is what you do, and making them feel a bit better um but yeah you can't have a script because you just don't know how that person's going to be feeling that day and what you're going to get so it is about listening and being person centred. You're absolutely
1: right. We say it's doing you do with, so you don't do to. So, like, if you're trying to help someone, you get alongside them and you do what they want to do with them, rather than going in and being like, "You need this, so we're gonna. This is what we're gonna do." And I think there's, um, I think the the important thing that you get from it is like more of a connection because, like, what you said when you i think i've volunteered all my life for, for connections so i think there is there's obviously let's be there's obviously that like i want to help people a bit which is probably a bit of a savior complex but i think also it's like wanting to connect with different bits of society or like different people just like i don't know just like feel like you're part of something a bit bigger and how are you creating connections you're just like stomping in in your big boots and like changing the environment that you came into that doesn't create connections yeah. does
0: it at all I, w- I was reading I've been reading this book today It's kind of it was originally started out as a like a manifesto but it's called as Privilege um, by Richard Phoenix and it
1: oh yeah you told me you were getting that yeah yeah
0: and it focuses it focuses on like kind of DIY music which is like a scene that uh, I am involved in and I'm, was and um, was used to be more heavily involved in and kind of venues and that, but the lessons in it are really they're, they're important for anyone kind of thinking of doing any kind of voluntary work. It's so yeah. Well hope we would really want to get him on the um on the podcast. Um, but we're a bit too shy to ask him. But hopefully, maybe yeah. one day Richard Phoenix would come on. Um but if yeah. If you're
1: listening. As, if
0: a, as you're listening, rec-
1: we want you
0: <laughs> as a recommendation, Lanx. Yeah, DIY is a privilege. And it's a, it's a lovely, it's a lovely looking book book as well it's printed really nice which always helps you know nice paper
2: yeah i've just written it down thanks for that
0: yeah it's really cool what
1: are you drinking now sam yeah
2: um
0: so swapped? this is what have you got this is called sputnik pale ale by north oh, brewery lovely. i think they're in leeds i think they're best in leeds yeah leeds
2: lovely.
1: hello hello so sam while you've been gone has just watched um, the trailer for your film and says that he's seen it and love it so I would like to have a little talk about wow. that what, also yeah also I, really um, good I don't know <laughs> Lehen um, another another community based choice as well Lungs. you're very like on brand as always may I just say on brand. very on brand yeah
0: yeah so what So for, for the listener what is what is the choice
2: um, so the film that I've picked is called Le N. it's uh, French, it means hate, and it was released in '95, directed by Matthew Kasowitz, and it's a black and white film, and it's about these three guys, it's uh, basically 24 hours in their life, and there's a, a Jewish a like guy, a black hard. guy, and an Arabic guy yeah similar Sorry. vibe they probably paid homage to it in childhood yeah um so it's and ulysses, and ulysses. <laughs> All a
1: perfect circle. yeah
2: um so basically it's about different communities being pushed together in these high-rise flats in paris it explores you know police brutality there's um like a lot of tension there's diverse communities and there's basically a riot in it and I think it's quite topical at the minute with, you know, we're experience with Black Lives Matter and stuff as well. Um, but I really like the film because as well as exploring communities and thinking, you know, if we had these incredible community projects to bring people together, what would it look like? Because that's missing from there. Um, there's some really great shots in it. There's a, a shot called, like, Vertigo, also known as, like, the Molly shot where they push, like the camera forward on wheels, but zoom out at the same time. And they, I think it was a Hitchcock move that they did in the film Vertigo. So they pay homage to that. But I first watched it in my first ever screen studies module at uni and just remember thinking like, wow, this is nothing that I've ever seen before. And then Mm. we kind of pulled it apart together. Um, And I remember that just like took off my love for kind of European and world cinema. And remember thinking, bloody yeah, hell! Hollywood have just robbed all these like things that Euro- European cinema's been doing so well for like decades, and have cre- recreated it as their own, you know, Americans. Bloody Americans! <laughs> so, In what did sense. you what did
0: you study at uni? Uh,
2: studied English language and screen studies um, at University of Manchester. Yeah.
0: Do you like? Uh, it's very. I always get confused. I've seen this film, and I always get. When people say line, or I always immediately think of A Prophet as well. Um, you know, A Prophet? Have you seen that film? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, fuck, it's so good. It's like it's another French film. Uh, it's in black and white. I would recommend it then if you haven't seen it. A Prophet. Bloody amazing film.
2: In Prophet? <laughs> I'll write
0: yeah.
1: it
2: down.
0: My Some list.
1: people can listen French to this, you can speak French Rasheen, <laughs> Rasheen's listening To this episode And sobbing <laughs> Sorry Rasheen
0: <Probably>. yeah. <laughs> Come see, come see So there's um, <laughs> uh,
2: we, we, ah, vie. <laughs> um, There's this scene in this film And you need to watch it It's one of the best things I've ever seen on screen And um, it's This guy kind of DJing from his room, looking out of his window on this balcony into this high-rise estate of flats. And there's all these kind of kids playing at the bottom. So it zooms up and then it's him in his room. And he starts kind of like scratching on his decks. But the way he looks, he's like so nervous about, he's about to play like the biggest gig of his life, you know. Um, and he starts mixing and he does a mix of Edith Piaf, uh, Ne Grette with Fuck the Police. Um, and as they do it, they've got this helicopter with a camera on it that kind of flies out of his window over this community and then out between the buildings. So I guess I kind of show like you know there is a way out. Maybe you know a lot of people couldn't feel that there is there is a way out, but how do you get there? It's difficult, but also the way that it's filmed, that was like really groundbreaking as well
1: and you wow. showed it me the day Langs, and it's beautiful. I the
2: soundtrack watch the as well. Yeah. Yeah, that mix is like really nice. You should check it out for sure.
1: I'm gonna, it's on well, I've got a whole list coming from this podcast, especially of films. Maybe we can watch it together because me and Lanx are actually um in a COVID bubble house together. Yes,
2: we are, and I feel really privileged actually that you Stop chose it. Us. We had a lovely <laughs> raised dinner Charlie's on Sunday.
1: Yeah, we're bubbling. we're bubble buds. we bubble
2: so. buds, bubble buds. Oh,
0: nice. Bubble um, bird, bubble
1: bird. So,
0: so you said about before about um, if we had all these youth projects and other stuff. And I suppose it is. You said it was very topical. And I suppose we should maybe talk a little bit about defunding the police and how mm, that and how that would how that might yeah. look. Uh, anybody yeah. got any thoughts? Um,
1: so I have I've read a lot about this because I I think. I'm like in some some ways so like institutionalized, and I think your gut feeling is like like whoa, like how what would that look like but then i we've done some work with the police around um uh, like domestic violence call outs and kind of trying to improve their response to those um because obviously, if you're a police officer, you're not um obviously not taking the side of the police, but you're not trained in the like you're you're essentially a response, aren't you, you're not trained to deal with what my feeling was actually there's a lot of stuff that police are expected to do that could be done better if you gave it if you gave those powers to people who are trained to do it so like why are we not having why just why do the police have the power for example to go into a situation and remove someone who is maybe um at risk to someone else but risk to themselves when actually what training have they had in to assess that risk 'Cause they're yeah. assessing risk on a based on a behavior rather than an environment that they might not know as much about. Um, yeah. so the more I've looked into it and as a um the more I think actually, um, it will be I think it would be beneficial to everyone.
0: Uh, so I've had it quite a few times at college where like you come on a Monday and I'd be supporting like certain students or whatever, and they are um, you know, it gets handed over. Oh from their care staff we went out at the weekend he this person had an incident whatever it was sensory overload and the police had to be called and it breaks my heart that you know these vulnerable people with these conditions are out in the out in the community and they've had Mm -hmm. they've had this intense you know call them incidents or whatever or they've reached crisis and the person that's had to come and deal with that situation is a police officer who's untrained And how great would it be for someone, you know, like me who could turn up or anyone that works in the same kind of field, we could turn up, we understand their condition, we understand their Mm -hmm. background, we can Mm -hmm. talk to them, we can talk to them, we can communicate to them how they need to be communicated with in crisis. Because a lot of people that I work with, when they're in crisis, you need to totally reduce verbal communication, where police Mm -hmm. officers in confrontation do not stop talking. Like they're just yeah. like you need to start doing this, but and then that is just leading to, and
2: that so can like, trigger I, as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I've yeah. I've had like I've had I know situations where I can see how, just in a specific example of like kind of my area of work or whatever, where defunding and it's not about not having a police. From what I understand, anyway, it's not about not having a police force. You know, if there's a serial killer on the loose no one's saying that there's going to be no one to investigate a serial killer but it's that kind Mm. of first response like who are the people that are really you know best off going is it a community leader is it a someone who's trained in you know conflict management is it someone who um you know is it a
2: i think it's not like a one size it's not a one size fits all approach like you said so we've got this like mass of people that are trained to a certain level, not in specifics, whereas we need a kind of umbrella of people, like you said, maybe not the police, maybe community responders. Um, so that if someone does have what you just said, like a meltdown, it's not this police force going in that, you know, we know stereotypically as someone who goes in to fight crime because actually what they're doing might not be criminal. They just might, you know, a member of the public might have reported it because yeah. it looks suspicious or, you know, they don't understand it themselves. So if you can then ask questions, you know, when someone rings on the phone and then they can kind of put it down this pipeline to someone who's a specialist and get them in, then, you know, there might not be an incident after all. But exactly. it goes back to that person-centred approach. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: and having an officer there is frightening for a large majority of the people. And I heard a really interesting thing where um, one of the police officers um, and my work was saying it's really damaging to make, to, to encourage children to be afraid of the police. And I was like, I think that I think what you're saying is because obviously then they wouldn't go up to a police officer if they got lost or if something had happened, they wouldn't go and ask for help. But my feeling is, is that as a service or as the police is lost is beyond um, any place of being able to put itself forward as a helpful service now and so I think that and the police is also saying let's just get rid of this institution that has got this, has earned itself this reputation that means that people don't see them as a support anymore because um, maybe they've been put in situations where they've been unable to behave like that, maybe they've behaved like that in situations where they shouldn't have yeah. let's rethink it, let's make let's make this a part of community
0: especially the the people we're kind of talking about if if you're talking about people that have grown up with trauma and have trauma in their early childhood and you know whatever they've been um whatever they've experienced from a young age blue lights have probably been very prominent in their life and blue lights are therefore going to be very triggering at a later Mm -hmm. stage in their life that's you know that's it's basic kind of stuff that as a society we're not kind of getting at the minute I think
2: no and I really think as well like you don't get rid of the blue lights get rid of the uniform you want someone that is from that community who understands the community who's going to work with them yeah. and not tell them what to do and you know like you said these lights and these uniforms can be a trigger and be feared by people and you know if we're going to break down things like you know when I used to work with young people in Manchester um you know from like areas like well all over actually but you know Moss Side Hume a lot of young people would maybe uh, experience gang violence or gang affiliation in their communities and you know there was a general hate for the police a distrust of the police as well and you know the only way we're gonna get that kind of undone is if we defund it but refund things like community Mm -hmm. centres yeah. and get, you know, these trusted figures of the community who have lived there all their lives, who understand the complexities of it, who've grown yeah. up with these families and know all the ins and outs. You know, gone is the old stereotype of, you know, the police driving you home from the pub when you're pissed. Like, you know, now it's the stereotype of, oh, if my house gets broken into, the police won't even come.
0: Yeah, yeah. and, th- and that's, that's the prerequisite that needs to be in place, isn't it? If you defund the police, that funding then needs to go into community organizations into social work into into the kind of care sector it needs to it needs but to be spread even out in those even, sectors
2: which
1: is... we need to be looking at ourselves within them so you say mm-hmm. I read a really interesting thing about social work the other day and there were certain people saying oh defund the police fund social work but even social work itself is oppressive and it's in the way that it works and so we don't we need to look defund the police means to, needs to mean defund the police but it also needs to mean defund those oppressive structures defund those structures that have been created by privileged white people and I'm going to say privileged white men because often the you know even with social workers lots of female social workers as you get higher up it starts to be men that are in yeah. charge it's not they're not met designed the, the assessments the situations the responses are not designed by people who've been in those situations and so we're, all we have now is a load of oppressive structures trying to respond to situations that they've probably never even been in themselves and so i think we've got to maybe even just completely defund start listening to people saying, what would you need in this situation? What would you, in yeah. this, this response? I think there's, um, I think, I guess like what always said before, it goes back to that listening, doesn't it? And it goes back to saying like, who do you want? Who do you, you're having a really bad incident episode. Who do you want there to make,
2: to calm you down? And it's probably not blues and twos, is it really? But I mean, yeah. not, I love that as an idea and not to be kind of negative but more like realist which often I'm not is that the only the only way that that could ever work is if every ward and every neighborhood had an individual structure and team and management here and you know sadly I can't see that as like being in the near future no like the government don't want that but that's really the only way it could work because every every ward in Manchester like Every neighbourhood has its own challenges, its own structure, its own hierarchy, you know, its own problems, its own really great things about it as well that often aren't spoken about. Um, but, like, that's the only way to work it, isn't it? A one-size-fits-all. One I, I,
0: I, want, I want to talk a bit more about le, Len, line, Len, <laughs> as just um, a film. Len. Anyway, so what... Len. So it was. <laughs> it was when you were at uni and that was the first time you saw it what kind of on a base level yeah there was those what am i trying to ask i'm trying i'm trying to what what kind of feelings did you feel watching that mm, film nice yeah
2: well i guess like it's quite a hard film to watch um all the choices i've picked um when you said you know pick a a book a film a song that you know have meaning or that change a life I guess the the three things I've picked um all uh, poignant I guess uh, for a time in my life so this was me kind of just you know going to university I'd always watched kind of one kind of cinema which was mainly like Hollywood cinema and it's the idea of not knowing what else is out there and you know Mm -hmm. we have the world at our fingertips nowadays but how do you kind of access that and you know I was really privileged on my screen studies course to experience a lot of different cinemas but like European cinema and French New Wave Nouvelle Vogue um within (laughs) it that was for um (laughs) within itself is like you know incredible and it was watching this film that was uncomfortable to watch not really understanding it but then really enjoying pulling it apart and finding depth and meaning and it's just one that I think about a lot and tell people about a lot which I think is always significant isn't it you know
1: and I love keeping that passion for something as well because I feel like when I was younger or when I was at uni there was so much stuff that I was like this will change your life listen to this watch this read this think about this like and I love the things that have stayed with people past that like kind of I hate I don't want to say phase but like past that really like on fire time. I like the kind of remnants of that, like still being like now, like it's been this many years and I'm still saying watch the hen because it made me feel something and it'll make you feel something. Beautiful. Beautiful.
0: Um, So going back to Manchester Cares, then how, what has the, how have you transitioned into the COVID era that we're living in now? Like how has, you, you spoke a little bit about trying to replicate the the events that you were having, but like kind of on a more logistical level, how has that worked out like day to day? Like what what is your day to day kind of working day?
2: A lot of it is on Zoom like this now, um,
0: so this you know, is with your, my colleagues. 10th like, hour to on Zoom colleagues. today?
2: I think we're getting into my nine, yeah, <laughs> but it is nine o'clock. Um So Manchester Cares have been, I think, recognised actually in the community of Manchester within kind of community explorers and wider charity circle. And Mac asked us to kind of go on and present in a webinar about the transition from doing face to face programmes to digital so quick. Um, Manchester Cares and the Cares family, actually, there's five branches, three in Liverpool, three in London, one in Liverpool and one in Manchester. And it was March the 13th when the Cares family decided to stop face-to-face programs, which was before the government um, actually said that you couldn't, for example, meet up in groups and Mm -hmm. basically went into lockdown, didn't we? Yeah, so uh, like before lockdown, Manchester Cares kind of ran three main programs. Um, One is social clubs, so they do 12 to 14 social clubs a month, which vary, like I said earlier, from cooking classes to boxer size going to the theater cocktail making pizza making have really good connections with a lot of businesses in manchester like workplace visits and stuff like that where you get a group of you know 10 younger volunteers 20 older neighbors everyone just meet up for a couple of hours and have fun together while doing an activity but also get to know each other as well and for a lot of our older neighbors and younger neighbors um that's mainly their like social interaction and their social life I guess um so that's like the social club side of it the other one is the love your neighbor program that I spoke about when I told you about prudence and we've got about I think there were like 40 love your neighbor matches um, and now that's transitioned into phone a friend friendships so that's been replaced by people meeting over the phone and talking hoping that after covid they can meet face to face Um, so that's been really nice and yes we've replaced the physical social clubs with virtual ones and we've also got older neighbours that run them as well like we've got this older neighbour who does a pub quiz every month and it's really great and the same person always wins it yeah Love um Sam, i feel like you're
1: got... gonna be an older neighbor that does a virtual pub quiz i love a
0: <laughs> i feel pub like that's quiz. in your
2: future
0: i've love... <laughs> been doing so many i've been doing so many quizzes people are sick of it now i'm like going well anyone, if anyone, you anyone want get to get involved
2: do... Sam, let me know
0: i would love <laughs> to i would love to do one do yeah. for the
2: neighbors
0: <laughs> yeah 100 i'll be up for that yeah
2: so then the and... other kind of program that Manchester Cares did before lockdown was outreach so we do like winter well-being projects where you know go around knocking on doors in communities and it can be anything from topping up someone's electricity getting them a kind of blanket that they need or a heater to signposting them or getting them food packages delivered and that's again really person-centered so you know it's like kind of what do you need and we work with housing associations as well in places like Gorton um, and Colliehurst and stuff and that's transitioned into checking calls now, so like I said earlier, like sixty or seventy checking calls a week with um neighbors that like really need us at the minute and asking what we need and you know within a couple of hours we can have food dropped off and stuff like that and it's just really great seeing the turnaround and I think one thing that's really special about managed cares and I mean I've only been there for a couple of months, so I'm not speaking on behalf of my impact. It's something I've been quite shocked by, but it's the way that older neighbours see us. We're like their go-to people. You know, we're like their friends that they trust, that if they have something that they like are struggling with, they'll just ring us for advice about it and we can advocate and tell them about services. And, yeah, it's these just incredible bonds that they've made with the staff. They're like friendships in themselves, you know. Um And, yeah, so the transition has been made. And also a new thing that we've done is called Alone Together, which is an activity pack that's made once a month. And um, it gets sent out to about 600 older neighbours. I just hold it up to the camera. That's some colouring in. Um, But it's an activity pack. So there's an activity to do every day of the month. And it's very inclusive. You can do it from your own home and a lot of them feed into kind of the cultural calendar as well there's then we send out like kind of four sides of A4 of things like crosswords or like nice pictures that or letters that people have sent in and it's just the idea of even if you don't come to any social clubs you still feel connected and Mm -hmm. you can do these things I mean I love a crossword you know
1: it's lovely and then if you go on the Instagram there's examples aren't there I love the Instagram for like little bits that people have written or like what people have been up to so I would definitely recommend giving Manchester Cares a follow because it's you even feel a bit part of the community just from kind of seeing what people are up to don't you
2: well that's it and I guess the idea is is that the resources we make we want them to be shared far and wide you know we're not exclusive we send them out 600 neighbors, but we send them out to 300 community groups. And I guess the question that we're trying to crack at the minute is: we don't know how many people are accessing these because community groups, GP surgeries are sending them out. um And you know, like getting older neighbors on Zoom. We yeah, I want to talk about because
1: you are an angel. <laughs> I like I'm in awe of you in so many ways. But this <laughs> this this time period, my awe of you is the patience with which. You have got older neighbours on Zoom is just beyond anything that even Sam at the beginning of this Zoom call.
0: So I can't
1: imagine no, what it's unlikely. been
0: like.
1: I'm so impressed by it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, very unlike you, Sam.
2: Well, we've got neighbours, you know, <laughs> we're like 85, 90, yeah. who you know have a tablet or a laptop or a smartphone, and they didn't, you know, know Zoom existed. Neither did I before lockdown. And, you know, as an organization, we've created kind of step-by-step guides and through many phone calls um, and hours of kind of talking people through it, that breakthrough minute when you see that person on screen, like I literally start (laughs) jumping around my room is the best feeling ever. And then from that, this person can then come to three social clubs a week and they're all different activities. But also we've heard that You know, these older neighbours are now talking to their friends and family on it, and they've joined other communities online. And it's this—it's a lifeline. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I've been doing a lot of quizzes with my friends online during lockdown, and it's like the people. These people now have autonomy to stay connected when they're being told by the NHS that they can't leave the house. Yeah.
0: And there's so much this. There's been so much kind of research gone into how how better it is for you to see people's faces, you know, rather than just talking to someone on the phone to actually see Mm -hmm. someone, it pretty much replicates the chemicals that start flickering in your brain when you are talking to someone. Talking to someone on the screen Mm -hmm. can actually replicate that feeling. So for for the older generation, that must be so, it's such a useful tool because I know I, I like ring my grandma every Saturday and i would love oh, he's her a good boy <laughs> to, i would love her to be able to you know get on zoom but she's just like she's just one of these people she's like i can't do that i can't do that but just like well you know, if you
2: want me to email you the step-by-step guide it's for everyone like i said <laughs> so you
0: have to get internet first though she don't have internet <laughs>
2: yeah that's the barrier too so we found that actually that's interesting that you said that um a lot of our neighbors don't have internet or a smartphone so. We've now got a dial in alternative, which we send out when we we send a mail out every month with kind of updated wellbeing, call lines, and signposting and like, stuff like that. Um, so, one club a week, people can dial into. So, it's free from a landline or a mobile. So, you can't see the people, but you can be a part of the conversation. And we'll put people into breakout rooms. And a lot of them know each other from social clubs anyway. And we'll kind of give them a topic to chat about. And then we all come back and feedback together. And It's just like a lovely way to spend an afternoon,
0: you know. Yeah,
1: it's it makes That's I'm great. so glad we're getting to talk about it because it honestly makes my heart feel so warm. Yeah, it's like a I think because I've read a really good book called Um, Have you guys read Lost Connections? No, I haven't, I have not. Really like interesting book, and it's about um, it's I think it's a guy, oh, I've now I've started talking about it and I read it ages ago. Basically, the premise is that to keep to maintain your own well-being as a human you've got to kind of keep these connections so it's like physical connections with people but like also being connected to your community connected to the earth and being connected to your like values as well and I think um one of us I've definitely I know I live on my own one of the things I've definitely struggled with is maintaining that in lockdown is maintaining those connections um and just like keeping those little like top-ups of like of seeing people and like kind of um just feeling like you're a part of something other than just your own four walls and so I think it's really powerful I think it's well I think it's yeah powerful to be looking at people and not just saying right I want to connect with my friends or I want to connect with my colleagues I want to make sure that other people are also able to connect and kind of keep their well-being up I'm really, I'm so excited to be able to talk about it because I think it's so, it's so important, isn't it? Yeah,
0: that's good. It There's is a lot of good, yeah. good recommendations on on this this week's pod. Yeah, we're quite alone. lot. Yeah, I've got a
2: little list going. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome.
1: <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about, Langs, is you, um, kind of, you're traveling and kind of going around and having been a part. You, I think, are one of the people that I know who's been the part of has witnessed or been a part of kind of more communities um than most people that I know so you've obviously been to kind of well you tell me all the places you've been to because I probably only know like the tip of the iceberg um I wondered what you kind of learned from that and was there is there something kind of a lesson that you've learned or is there one particular place that you've been that you've been like this is something I'd really like to model like what from your kind of having an outside
2: perspective and other cultures and communities you feel like you've learned? I feel like um, the main thing that I learned through traveling is that people are good and that people are kind and that most people like want to help you and want the same thing, like they want friendship, community, shelter, food, love and you know we all need the necessities but we also crave connection as well Mm -hmm. and I've yeah been really like lucky and privileged enough to like work overseas and travel in kind of you know Asia South America lived in Australia for a couple of years and I mean people are just so kind and giving and I think that It's one thing I learned while i kind of been away and putting yourself in a vulnerable position. It's that when you put yourself in those positions that you see how kind people are and that sometimes in our everyday life by darting around to work and then, you know, to meet your mate and we rush around so quickly, Mm -hmm. we miss out on opportunities of kindness being given to us or given to other people. And it's when you slow down and you make eye contact and you smile and engage in conversation. It's then that these things happen.
0: Like I'm excited to talk about your um song choice Lanx. Um that's one of right. my favorite songs. Um so is it really?
2: Nice. Oh
0: god, yeah, I do. Um what what is it? That is nice. I
1: communicated it so badly to you, didn't I, Sam? You tell us what it is, <laughs> Lanx. I tried to tell Sam what it was. <laughs> I fucked up so badly.
2: So, a song that's been really poignant in my life is "Year 2000" by Pulp.
1: Right, but it's not. Sam, you said it's called.
0: It's called Disco, Disco 2000.
2: 2000. <laughs> it is called Disco 2000, but in any lyrics in the song, does it say Disco 2000 or does it say "Let's all meet up in the year yeah, 2000"?
0: It, do, it does, and that's yeah, what's confusing.
2: Which is why I call it Year 2000. Well, it's my interpretation of it. Yeah, and no, you that's it, fine. You know, is I t- it I'm the to- artist or the listener?
0: I'm totally cool <laughs> with that. But when Charlie told me year two thousand, you
1: made a snide, you made a snide busted joke to me, didn't you? I was like, you, are you, you on it? about
0: busted or are you <laughs> no, on about? No, is pulp? it not
1: McFly?
2: No, um, it's
0: busted. It's year three thousand. busted. Yeah. What
2: yeah. did what did McFly do? Um, five it's colours and a hair. It's all about you. you. Yeah, brilliant. Oh goodness. <laughs> um, but
1: McFly have actually signed another record deal today, guys.
0: Are they not McBusted anymore? Because they joined forces, didn't no, they?
1: No, they did join forces. However, now they've re-separated. McFly signed a record deal, so good to know that some artists are being
2: supported during lockdown. It is, yeah. While well, the Royal Exchange is making sixty-five percent staff yeah. cutbacks.
1: our um, favourite venues um, and are closing I down. Cornerstone
2: of our society. But fly being signed, that's really good to know.
1: Yeah,
2: thanks for telling me that. (laughs) Buzzed my night, thank you.
1: (laughs) Um, so disco two thousand. Tell us a little bit about why also
2: known as year two (laughs) thousand because that's what it says in the song. Um, Probs got it wrong. Um, it's a song that was released when I was little five-year-old lanks, but probably still six foot tall because I've never really been small <laughs> and um, um I remember I had it on dancing around in my mum's living room when I was five in the back of my dad's car and thinking bloody hell that sounds like ages away you know yeah. and it also describes a working class house which I like to like this mm-hmm. song was released at a time when my my dad and my mom had Uh, just split up like my dad left and it was a poignant time in my life when four became three and the idea of you know creating this new unit and living in kind of like you know a working class household and relating to a song where in a lot of times in music they talk about monetary value and mansions and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so finally being able to kind of relate to a song um but also looking forward to the year 2000 and now looking back and being like, bloody hell, that was ages ago. But every time you put this on at 6am at a party, everyone goes mad for it. Yeah. It's great. It's a banger. It is an absolute, absolute banger. Danger. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um,
2: I don't have much to say about it. Don't ask me anything else. That's it's all just feelings. Right. It's you don't have to realise right like it. Yeah. It's feel- and that's, <laughs> what,
0: that's what I like. You, you know, we don't have to go to it's not an analytical pod you know it's all about the feelings and just is it going to get
1: increasingly analytical the more you do of your counseling qualification
0: um i hope
1: not
0: i don't want to be one of the i don't want to be one of those counselors that's like constantly trying to like counsel people because you know you have to you have to pay me for that
2: yeah no fair yeah (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> um,
2: but yeah it's kind of like a, I don't have many compasses in my life or like cornerstones where I remember listening to something and feeling young um, and like looking back and feeling this feeling now of like oh that was ages ago and that's really one of the only pivot points I've got is this song of like god 2000 that's really far off that's never gonna happen it,
0: I remember thinking like, the millennium's to gonna be thinking, you know this huge yeah. life
2: changing thing and actually, you know, we were all just running around drinking champagne out the bottoms of our adult parents' friends' glasses. And now looking back, and that was 20 years ago, and it still feels like yesterday, but we've all got a bit older and I've got greyer. Um and thinking, you know, what song is gonna have that for us now that we don't even know about? Yeah. You know? What mm. sentiment are we holding on to now that we'll look back on? That's also a nice. Yeah, that's
0: really that. that's really interesting for.
2: Uh, like because when does that song give you meaning? Because for me, it's looking back that it's given me meaning.
0: Yeah. Where did where did you grow up? Sorry, sorry. Where did you where did you grow up, Lance? Where are you from?
2: I'm from um, a village called Baxenden, which is near Accrington. It's like 18 miles north of Manchester. Um, it's famous for Holland's pies. The Holland's pies factory. Um, Holland's pies is. Thank you. I'm glad that you appreciate them. I'm actually vegan now, <laughs> and they don't come a day, but um, they do an interesting fact for you. They do um, a steak and kidney pudding that you like. It comes in a metal tray. And you steam it, and in my local village, they call it a babby's ed. Oh, I don't know if you've babby's heard ed. about that. Like Smooth that. like a babby's head. So um, and also I once worked in a pasty shop. This is awful. When I was about 15, called Oddies, and this old man came in and he went. Can I have a slap toss? And I went, sorry. Like, can I have a slap toss? Went, what are you on about? It was like a state pudding on a bat. I was like, oh my god, your rank out. And then I got <laughs> sacked.
0: <laughs> a top tip: If you're a northern and you want a chip butty in Brighton, you have to ask for chips and a separate bread bun, and you have to you have to manufacture <laughs> it yourself. They don't do it for it's you. It's no.
1: down south. I'm not having any of that.
0: It's mental.
1: it was a mistake to go.
2: Yeah, and don't ask for gravy. Don't ask for gravy. I'm regretting
0: it. I'm not. Um, What do they have
2: down (laughs) there? Is it pucker pies down there that are raining at the moment, Sam? Uh,
0: God, no, it's higgity. Higgity's the big thing down here. Very posh.
2: Uh, Fancy. Very bougie.
0: Um, But Ellie's family, (laughs) my fiancé, they they are also big in the pie game. They're, They're pie makers, pie and pasties and cakes and shit. So, uh, shout out Lizzie's, Lizzie's Food Factory. Big up, Lizzie's Food mm-hmm. Factory.
2: Sam, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Would you rather be a gorilla <laughs> or a matter baby?
0: A gorilla or, or a what? What's the matter baby?
2: Nothing, baby. What's the matter with you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> loving that.
1: Here's <laughs> a... Dad. Here he is. <laughs>
2: For pub all club. the listeners out there, you've been burned with my joke once, and wow. now I witness someone else being burned.
0: Lanx, have you have you ever been to the Britain's Protection in Manchester? You know the pub, Britain's Protection.
2: Yeah, yeah, I
0: love that pub. I I once went in there, right, and um, in in the bar that I worked at, we were doing these pickled eggs in red in like red wine cider vinegar, so they were like red, and I thought I saw them. Sounds rank. Yeah, I thought I saw them. I was like, "Oh, is that?" Um, they were like these red pickled eggs, and I was like, "What? What the hell are they, mate?" And he was like, "Oh, they're otter eggs." And I was like, "What are you on about, otter eggs?" Um, so I was like, "Well, I got to, I got to try, I got to try one then." So he he got it out and he put it in like a little, like a ramekin or whatever, and put some ramekin,
2: black, yeah, good ramekin,
0: black pepper on it. And I bit into it and it was literally, it was the spiciest thing that I've ever had in my life. It was so spicy. And I went, what the bloody hell are these, mate? And he went, well, they're just normal eggs, but otter. <laughs> ah!
1: <laughs> I feel so cozy hearing that joke. Cause I remember when that happened and I like feel like I've been transported back <laughs> to like <laughs> a different time. That's when my that classic joke. Going round and round. That's how
2: I feel when Disco 2000 plays.
1: Yeah, down. perfect circle back. <laughs> the Otter Egg is one of my cornerstones in my memory. <laughs>
0: um, well, yeah, if, I suppose we don't have to talk about Disco 2000 then too much because I suppose everyone who's listened to it just knows, and I, I totally understand that feeling of it. it just makes you—it's so just identifiable. Especially, yeah, as a northern class. Northern class? Yeah, why not? Northern class person.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I like it. Northern class, Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's very identifiable. And yeah, I love that song as well. It's great. It's a great choice. Well done.
1: Yeah. All your choices have been mint, actually, thanks, haven't they? Thank you. I really,
0: yeah, I've really, I really like these choices. I've really, really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed this conversation. (laughs) It's been it's been an absolute. I've pleasure. enjoyed the
2: conversation. We've absolutely put the world to right or wrong, but I'm not sure. But I enjoyed it anyway. <laughs> I'm so.
1: Like buzz that you both saw each other and recognized and looked
0: at each other like, yeah, like I've seen you
2: at a party.
0: <laughs> we definitely I, I think, don't
2: know where, I don't know when, or I think what it was at the
0: what was that road called in Wivington? Rippingham
2: Road.
0: Rippingham Road. Was it the yeah. jacket
2: potato party? It
0: was mm. the jacket potato <gasps> party. Yeah. Just was. let
2: me explain for the listeners. <laughs> if you're ever gonna have a party, everyone loves jacket potato. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's low cost, you buy sixty potatoes. You cook them about 20 at a time, not to overload the oven. You want to get them out, maybe in tinfoil to keep them warm. And the rules are you can't come in the house unless you bring a topping. Yeah. All you need is a table with your potatoes laid out, maybe some plates and cutlery and a microwave. And that's it.
0: And everyone yeah, brings top. their own topping. 7am. I, I brought a veggie 2000 chili. 2000
2: comes on. That veggie chili was really nice.
0: Well, Ellie made it, to be fair. What did you bring, Charlie?
1: Um, I took some homemade hummus.
2: I also, but you you arrived with hummus and I'd made um, three litres
1: <laughs> I didn't, as usual, I went in big without any planning and I don't regret it, but no if regrets. I went again, I would bring something
2: else. But yeah. what I will say is it it, it all got eaten. You know? Yeah, that's true. It was it was delicious. So really recommend the jacket potato pie. Thank you though for inviting me. I've had a really nice time chatting to you.
0: No, thanks. No, it's been great. I think it's going to be another great episode.
1: Hopefully, yeah. We're getting lots of good reviews, aren't we? So
0: we've got we've got three five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. And uh, who else
1: can say that?
0: One of them was Ellie. One of them was maybe (laughs) was it you, Charlie?
2: One wasn't me. I haven't done one. Wow. I haven't reviewed either yet.
0: Get reviewing.
2: But thanks for, like, yeah, asking me to be a part of it. Like, absolute privilege. So, yeah, hope that oh, i am doing lots of interesting stuff, so it's perfect. Absolutely thank pleasure.
1: you. Bye. Love you. You've been amazing.
0: Thank you. Thank you, thank you
1: for having Bye. me. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: another wonderful conversation charlie she's a treat isn't me.
1: she yeah yeah what a treat
0: another guest that's brought um some really good choices and yeah. some really good opinions and values to the podcast as well yeah
1: mm-hmm. we choose people well i think like i'm gonna let the guests take the credit but i also think we have done some good selecting
0: nice yeah yeah i agree <laughs> i agree <laughs>
1: Um, so if you've liked what Langs has said well and if you're interested in getting involved or if you just want to see a bit more you can follow Manchester Cares on Instagram Um, and then also while you're there maybe follow one book one film one song on Instagram as well
0: yeah uh, I think it'd be great I think it's a real tangible thing this week that people can actually get involved in
1: yeah definitely and it's a couple of hours a week and you've just heard all the difference that it makes so yeah. I would
0: definitely push for it. If you're enjoying the podcast, and we really hope you are, just like us, uh, follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. A few people have been validate us... Validate us. Yeah, validate <laughs> our existence. Just
1: validate us, please. You know, a
0: few people have been <laughs> um, reviewing us, so that's really nice. Mm. If, if you want to write a review, if it's nice, yeah, that we, we'll, we'll love that. Um,
1: we've got three five star ones, so if you want to make that four, then
0: if you want to be the four, it's up to you, please. Um, but thanks for listening again, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next week with another, another guest. Say bye.
1: Oh, bye.
2: <laughs>